And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. My name is Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I have to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits platform built for small businesses. They will automatically file your payroll taxes. They will directly deposit your team's pay. Plus, you can offer your team all kinds of benefits, 401ks, health insurance, workers' comp, and more. And because you're a Startup Hustle listener, we are very, very lucky. You get three months free once you run your first payroll. So go to gusto.com backslash startup hustle. That's gusto.com backslash startup hustle to learn more and take advantage of that great deal. So really, really excited for for this guest that we have. And I have to tell you, there's been a lot of buildup on the, the front end of the guests that I'm about to introduce to you. And I'm just, I'm super excited to have this conversation. But with us today, we have through Shiva Kumar, and she is CEO and co-founder of Cohesion. They are a Chicago-based smart building property tech platform for commercial real estate. She's going to tell us more about that. But first things first, through thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I am so, so excited for this call now because there's been so much... Um, you know, so much happening around getting us together in a recording, and I'm just, I'm psyched. So, so why don't we go ahead? We're going to start with the softball question. Here it comes. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about uh, cohesion. You know, what, who are you? What do you do? Who is through? <laughs> who is through? That's a great know, question. We went really deep. <laughs> that's a softball one. Actually, I think that's the opposite. <laughs> um, so I, so again, Lauren, you said my name. It's actually Thrupti, which is an Indian name. And my parents, as I was growing up, I always said, why did you name me the most difficult Indian name there was? Um, you knew that you were raising me in the United States, not in India. So why pick the two THs? Anyway, it does mean satisfaction, which I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's hilarious in general. Um, but that's that's who Thru is, I guess. It's just short for Thrupti. Um, I but... love that so much. <laughs> I like, you know, we need to take a pause because like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like Rolling Stones and I'm thinking like, how cool is that? Are, are, are you satisfied? Are you a satisfied kind of person? I am, but I have very high standards. So there's that as the, you know, it's a high bar, but I think that's what my parents were going for, you know? So anyway, I, so I started, I, I've been, I've, been in Chicago, uh, born in New York, raised in Chicago. And I had a series of corporate jobs, private equity jobs, um, worked in a not-for-profit at the city of Chicago's Economic Development Council, learned all about how ecosystems, environments, buildings all work together or how they weren't working as efficiently together. So 
in that in that instance, it was all about how I saw in my throughout my career in real estate finance, technology, and infrastructure. I saw the inefficiencies really building up in over time on how real estate was run, how the operational side of it was run. So about three years ago, I spun a technology out of a mechanical, electrical, and plumbing engineering firm called ESD Global. And we, um, I created Cohesion. And Cohesion is an IoT-enabled building management system that connects how humans, systems, and buildings work together. Never before have people brought all three of those aspects of an operations together into a single platform. So we're disrupting how buildings operate. We're disrupting how legacy vendors have been inside of buildings and um, we're having fun doing it. Well, so, so that's really interesting. And I just, I wanna make sure that I have like a really strong grasp of, kind of what you're talking about. So as far as I, I guess IOT, the smart building, world like i mean that's really been on the rise or you know in recent years and so so you're not only are you filling a need but you're taking advantage of what i would assume is a relatively new industry because we're talking i mean we're talking about things that range from smart monitoring systems to you know smart light bulbs right like this, this is a huge industry so talk to us a little bit more um about that. Talk to us about, you know, smart building technologies and how cohesion, cohesion kind of operates. Yeah. I, so why right now is kind of the time of this, the digital transformation in commercial real estate is because there's three large fundamentals that are hitting us right now in the, in our world. The first is that healthy, because of the pandemic, healthy buildings have become a focus. So that's all around the surfaces people touch or don't touch. Um, as well as the air people breathe. So those have become heightened, uh, people have become heightened awareness on those aspects of real estate in general, whether you go to you know, a restaurant or an office building when we go back, all of these have become top of mind to people when they go into space that's not their own. So that healthy building aspect is now, has now become bit, you know, big in the industry and big in everyone's kind of day-to-day -day normal lives. The other uh, phenomenon that's kind of colliding right now or bubbling up is around hybrid workforces. So how people work, where people work is all going to change as we come back to, as we come out of the pandemic. And that means that building spaces, like even look at your own home, it has to be flexible in that it has to have a workspace, it's got to have your live space, it's got to have your kind of everything else space, it's got to be flexible at home. And that's going to be the same when we go back to office buildings. It's got to be flexible. So tomorrow we might be doing questionnaires for COVID, right? If people have gotten a passport or not, right? We don't know what's going to happen and how it's going to change over the next five years. So that means you need technology solutions that can quickly adapt and bring on and off different aspects of building operations. The other kind of fundamental is really around climate change. The As we enter the climate accord, once again, we know that commercial real estate is phase one of the climate accord, and we have to do more to reduce our carbon footprint. And that goes beyond just energy usage. All three of these kind of, all three of these factors, the only way that we're going to solve it is to connect all of the data inside of a building and truly understand how it works together. That's, that's the problem that we're solving. It's, it's solving for those three fundamentals. So when we, you know, I can kind of work through an example. I don't know why we've ever accepted when we go into an office building that 
there's an app or there's a website to book parking or you walk into the parking office and you just have to pay the person, give your credit card and you, you, do, you have parking. Or if you're riding a bike, you also have a parking kind of key card for that's just applicable to the parking, you know, room for your bike parking. You also have a different key card maybe for your fitness center or you don't know how many people are in the fitness center if you want to go down for lunch. You have to pull out an archaic key card for most buildings or a physical key. We just came out of a lease that had a physical key to open our office doors. All of these aspects we've accepted from commercial real estate for a long time. And we also have accepted that we don't know the air that we're breathing in. So if you think about how unhealthy air can breathe and what those long-term effects on humans are, that's a scary proposition. And so I think transparency to where we spend 40 plus hours a week is, is, is necessary, right? And why don't we demand it more? It's kind of the things that we're solving for. We're solving for all of that into that single system. So smart experience isn't just about you know, light bulbs turning on and off. It's about how we track where humans are in the building and how they're using space, not by who they are, but rather just are there people in this space? When are they there? And then how can we adjust the building's environment? So let's say on Friday afternoons, we know that, you know, there's only 20% of the building left. That means we can reduce energy, uh, the heating and cooling in that space. And over time, we learn how the space is using no different than your nest, but in a bigger application like the, you know, like a commercial office building. Does that make sense? It does. It, ma it makes perfect sense. And not only that, like, I, I, wow, you, you explained that very well. Clearly you have had a lot of practice and I, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how, how you got to that practice. So you mentioned that you spun off of a larger entity. And that is how cohesion was formed. And so I'd like to hear a little bit more about the, the company journey, because we're going to delve a little bit more deeply into, into the company as we talk further. And so, so I'd love to hear, you know, how did you get started and where are you at now? And what are some of the things, the highlights that happened in between? In, so I was a chief of staff for a very, you know, one of the smartest human beings I've ever met taught me a lot of how I thought about the kind of whole world coming together. He's a big finance asset manager in Chicago, leads a great firm. I was his chief of staff, and I had always said when he pulled me over to work with him, I had said that, you know, in three years, I'm going to want to go build something. I'm going to be want to be at a startup because I've done large corporate. I, I've started to make my way throughout my career from the largest of corporates, the Baxter Healthcare, Hyatt, GE, you know, the large conglomerates down to you know, small private equity shop. Then I went to a not-for-profit and all of it's been very, you know, additive to my career. Um, but I was ready. I was ready to take the leap into building something myself. I've always loved solving problems. I've loved fixing things. I've loved building things. So it was time that I knew I was getting ready. So as I was onboarding a board member onto a civic board that I was helping lead, I met the chairman of the mechanic, the engineering firm. His name was Raj Gupta. And Raj and I sat down for breakfast in January of 2018. And we just, there was no pretense to it. We were just having a conversation. And he told me about how inside of BSD, they had started this uh, technology. It was, uh, it was custom built for this brand new building in Chicago that was, that won this most intelligent building in the world back in 2019. Um, they had designed the building and as part of their journey, 
the the owner of the building asked them to really think about building a software application that could connect everything inside the building. So systems, IoT sensors, people, people's actions, operations, everything into a single app. So they custom built it. And when I was talking to Raj, we were we were discussing how it was a really cool technology. And he goes, I'm not you know, a startup guy. I just, I have this hunch that there's something bigger here. And I'm like, that's super fascinating. You know, I have been my last, you know, my last 15 years of my career has been around technology and in real estate and really pushing the envelope. And he, he said, well, if you're interested, I know you've got a great job, but if you're interested, I'd be open to spinning this technology out. So that was January of 2018. I went back to him in March and I did a bunch of research, you know, spent time on the side and looking at the industry, really researching how I thought the industry was going to evolve, knew that we were early to the, you know, early to the market, but I told him I wanted to do it. I wanted to start exploring it. And I talked to my then, you know, my then boss who was supporting and I said, I might be really looking at this. And he said, are you sure? And I was like, yes, I think there's something big here. So we ended up um, we ended up going through a series of conversations with the staff at the engineering firm, and then we came to a deal and we decided that we were going to spin out the technology as a standalone company for many reasons. One is that they were a professional services consulting firm, so they wanted to stay agnostic. That was a huge reason. Two, mm-hmm. we thought that we could bring in outside capital in a better and more efficient way from a startup standpoint. Um, if we were separate and three, culturally, there would be a different culture at a tech firm than a mechanical engineering firm. So for those reasons, we spun it out instead of home growing it inside of the engineering firm. And at that point we spun out in August of 2018 and I was finishing up a project. I'd become a consultant, you know, the first CEO in June of 18 on contract and then finally left doing two jobs at once in November of 18 as the first CEO of Cohesion. And uh, the engineering firm and Raj at the time had personally supported uh, the first year and a half of operations. So we got a great start and really good support. That is, that is absolutely an amazing journey. Um, you know, one of the things that you, you mentioned, and I want to hear more about this, and this is actually a question that's more about you. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, you, you've always kind of been about pushing the envelope. And so I, I want to ask you, and this is this is kind of a philosophical question, I guess, rather than tactical, but where do you think that comes from? Uh, my mother. So she is always innovating. She is always pushing the envelope. She never takes anything for what people say. She has to do the research herself. She's got to really build things. She's a doer. She's she gutted her own bathroom and rebuilt it herself, did everything. She only got somebody to rip out the tile and everything else she did. She builds the bookshelf that you see, you can see she built that for me. (laughs) So she's just been this, you know, this, uh, never take anything for granted, but always do uh, build, you know, build and push the envelope. And she, taught me that. And so I think part of it's the, you know, immigrant journey. She came over here, didn't really know anything when she came over, arranged marriage with my father. And before she knew it, she was on the plane coming to America from India and she had to figure out her own way. And so from a life of being part of a very wealthy family back in India to hustling and making their way in America, you know, I think they just learned, both my parents learned how to you know, push the envelope, get uncomfortable, 
do things that they never thought that never even imagined that they would do. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I imagine to a certain extent, like it's not even getting uncomfortable, you know, when you, when you are certain, when you're thrust into very unfamiliar, unfamiliar circumstances, like you're just in a constant state of being uncomfortable. You're not getting uncomfortable. You're just living right. it. That's, that's <laughs> true. Yep. Yeah. And I don't even know if they knew it was uncomfortable. It was just the norm to your point. It was sure. That's how it was. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, so that that is that is very cool, and I, I knew that you would have a cool answer. I love that. I do. I kind of want to meet you. Like we've already established that you and I are going to meet them, but <laughs> I want to come on. She sounds amazing. Um, so, so I ask that question just because I, I mean, I, I I think it's interesting, and I find you pretty fascinating. But I mean, I ask that question to ask this question. So we're talking about pushing the envelope, and it's something that it is in, is inherent in you. But you know, when you're talking about your timeline you have effectively, you know, maybe didn't start a company, but you've been effectively building a company through a pandemic. Um, and you've been growing a company and you've been raising and you've been, you've been doing all of these things that are hard on a good day. And you've been doing it under some pretty unimaginable circumstances. And so, so I, I think, you know, knowing what I know now about you, I can see like, this is a person who pushes the envelope, who isn't afraid to, to forge ahead um, through uncertainty, through difficult circumstances. But I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. What has it been like to, for you, um, you personally, and then, you know, cohesion as a company, what's it been like to have to push through some of this really difficult stuff? You know, it, a startup as I kind of, as I've been mentoring some of my, you know, some of my employees right now, I kind of describe a startup as a perpendicular. It's not, it's not just a hill like this. We're, when you're early stage, you're walking up, you're like mountain climbing and yeah. it's not, it's not simple what, whatsoever. And everything is against you. And especially when you're going into an industry that you're disrupting, that it has large legacy players has a lot of money. It's the largest industry in the world, right? Commercial real estate is the largest real estate. And here we are at the small startup in Chicago trying to push boundaries. And I will say that, you know, the doing it through a pandemic has been, you know, no short of really difficult, right? It is, it is not easy. There's aspects of how do you, how do you build a team, motivate a team? How do you connect with the team? How do you handle burnout situations? How do you, like, you know, how, how do you, I'm a person who connects in person. Like, I love connecting with, the, with people. And it's, everyone has always said that you can maneuver me into different situations and I make friends everywhere, right? From the, you know, from the lineman all the way to the CEO, I've always been able to, you know, hang out with everyone there is. And behind a screen, it's just a, it's been the most challenging thing I've ever done. And yeah, there've been multiple times that I've thought we've had to fold the company, even though we had great tech, we have two patents that we put in for, we got two patents granted during the pandemic. I raised our series seed round of capital during the pandemic when, you know, in March last year, when we had started to hear a lot of things are going to close, things are going to close. I thought we were done. I thought, you know, okay, let me go into plan B. There's all, I always have plan B. So I'm always thinking about here's where we're going to go. But I think that's a finance risk person in me is that well, if plan A doesn't work, I've got to always have plan B or in business school, we call it the BATNA, the best alternative um, option. I forget what the TNA stands for. I'm going to look that up <laughs> once we, we have off recording here. Cause I think, I feel like that's something I yeah. should be using. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good concept and a good principle just to always have the plan B. And I think that plan B has made me not freak out, right? Just in general, as much as I thought, you know, and I still think there's, there's times that we're going to get eaten alive by the big, the big firms. And then I remind myself that if it was easy, somebody else would have done it, right? None of what we're doing is easy. And that's why it hasn't been done before. And so I constantly have to tell the team that that's the case and, you know, tell a lot more stories. I find myself explaining the context a lot more in the, in the kind of digital world than I would if we were in person. So there's a lot more time that goes into having to motivate the team and explain why. And I think part of it's that, you know, when you're sitting in a room together, you can whiteboard stuff. You could kind of explain how you're thinking about complex problems in a whiteboard situation. Here in this world, I open up Excel or I open up a Word doc and I start typing things out and moving boxes and trying to show how things are working or how, you know, in a brainstorming session, we just, I came out of a naming convention brainstorming session for a product with our product team and they're using this new tool. And I'm, uh, as much as I like to say I, I can, you know, I, I learn a lot of new tricks. I'm not the best at the all these new tech tools that are coming out that like on whiteboarding applications or, you know, product storyboarding applications. And so I took like 10 minutes to try and catch up as to how to do this. But again, I, I imagined how much more fun it would be if we were all sitting in a room with post with physical post-it notes and a beer yeah. in hand. And we could just laugh and talk and we'd go off into tangents and we'd connect and it's just a different world. It's, it's a different way. It's very transactional versus being connected. And so I think, you know, from having to build this company in, in the pandemic, I think what has helped us in the pandemic is it, the pandemic itself has, um, has solidified uh, the reason we exist, right? There is a reason we exist to connect buildings, but doing so in a pandemic has been really tough. Hiring engineering talent, having, you know, not knowing what people are doing on the other side of a screen, not being able to have a lot of connections, people complaining about a lot of meetings, but meetings are really just chance encounters that we would have had in the office if we were back. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, clearly you're doing a, a beautiful job because as I said, your, your team is growing and you're you're, ta- you're touching on a lot of really fantastic topics and I have so many follow-up <laughs> But, you know, one of the things that you talked about, like you've talked about handling burnout, you've talked about connecting with your team, you've talked about managing tools and processes, and like these are all very difficult things to do. I do want to, you know, acknowledge that right now taking care of employees has never been more important. Um, you know, we're all kind of undergoing societal trauma, really. Right, uh, right. You know, a lot of very difficult, serious things going on. Um would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, for years, Gusto has been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits on board new employees, and more. They, they can help offer those connections that you're talking about, those perks and benefits that make people feel valued. They call it the people platform, and it doesn't just look nice. It, it actually works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks, which we all know employees love. And it, or it's really important right now. So, so just a reminder, you, know, you can get three months free after your first, first payroll when you go to gusto.com backslash startup hustle. That's gusto.com backslash startup hustle. Um, so, so I want to ask you, because I, I, I think I kind of need this as a point of context, but how large is the cohesion team? We, so we look at everybody, we use both kind of contracted labor for our offshore development firms, 
as well as full-time employees. But one conscious thing that we've done throughout the pandemic is say that we're one team. And we've tried to make it so that there's no distinction of the contractors versus the full-time. So we now call it global HQ um, employees and satellite employees. And now satellite employees are including that we're starting to you know, we're starting to have full-time remote hires all over the United States. We have teams in India. We've got a team in Argentina. Uh, we've got, we used to have a team in Eastern Europe. Um, we've got employees in Boise, Idaho, to Las Vegas, to Minneapolis, Chicago, Florida. So we've got folks all over the place. And I guess it really doesn't matter when you're, you know, you're in the virtual environment. Um, but it, we so all together we're at 54 people um mm-hmm. and i would say about half are the full time and half are uh, you know our satellite employees and so we have grown right when the pandemic hit we had you know we had 10 folks and i remember making the call at, at like back in march to say i either you know, we were in the middle of a fundraise and in March and I was like, right, this is, this is over, right? Nobody's going to fund us in this, at this point we're, we're done. And we ended up, you know, ended up hustling my way through getting us the, the round and closing the round in July, but without the PPP loan, you know, from the U S government without kind of cash, uh, us, you know, pulling back on some spend, um, we wouldn't have made it right from that perspective. So I remember calling everybody and telling them that I'm asking everyone to take instead of firing anybody. I kept, it was like, this is a very scary time for anybody to be unemployed. Yeah. So instead of firing anybody, I asked everyone to take a pay cut and I would take the long, largest pay cut there was alongside my, you know, alongside the CTO at the time. And we, we kind of, kind of messaged it that way saying, Hey, instead of, we don't want anyone to be out there without a job because we don't know when this economy is going to kind of rebound, when this yeah. pandemic is going to end, we're going to do this. And that was hard on some people. Some people just got it and are like, sure, that's great. You know, thank you. And others were like, well, are you going to back pay me? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not sure about that. I can't make any guarantees. Like we, we don't, don't even know how much. Like, I don't think there's any boss out there who wants to be like, yeah, no. Um, right. You know. <laughs> But it's one of those things where, like, when you don't know, you don't know, and you don't right. want to promise and then under-deliver, Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so, so and, and, and I do, I just want to acknowledge really quickly, you know, we, we talk about, in Innovate Her Casey, we talk a lot about the difference between a manager and a leader. And a leader is someone who will never ask you to do something that you are not willing to do yourself. And so I, I, I love the fact that, you know, you raised your hand and said, hey, yes, I'm asking you to do this. We're asking you to do this for the collective good, and it's going to hurt. But here I am ready to raise my hand and take that hit with you and do it in a significant way so that you can see that I, I'm here for you. I understand what you're going through. You know, I, I just, I love that. So, so thank you for, for sharing that piece of it. Um, you know, something else that you talked about that I thought was really interesting, you, you, you've mentioned um, burnout. And I mean, I think that right now, particularly in the midst of a pandemic, there's, there's a lot of issues, like a lot of people have a really hard, are having a really hard time right now differentiating between work and home and like figuring out how to balance things like 
virtual school and you know how do you when, when your commute is the two steps from your bedroom to your home office like how do you differentiate and put the put the phone down put the you know laptop down and make time for your family and for you know a, a personal life and so so we talk a lot about burnout and i'm just really curious to hear your thoughts on that because um, you mentioned it a couple of times and yeah. I love yeah. <laughs> yeah, we certainly haven't gotten it fully right, right? Because at, at a startup, we're, like I said, we're constantly running up that uphill battle. And we have, I mean, we just have so much to do. It's not, I think everybody who is listening to this who runs and or is part of a startup, it's not as glamorous as people think from the outset. It is really hard. It is a lot of work. It is not, you know, rainbows and unicorns all the time. It's not ping pong and beer all the time. It is sometimes it's rainbows and unicorns, but those yeah, are those yeah. kind of, those <laughs> kind of the few and far between right. going. Yep. And that's what we're working towards. And you yeah. know, even we're in a fundraiser right now. And what I say is, you know, just don't think that it gets it gets less work right after the fundraise, right? It's that there's more work and the expectations go up every subsequent round. So it's this constant kind of cogwheel that we're in, in a startup. It's just, how do you, without that connection in that, that here, we're doing this together and we're here and we'll go get that, you know, meal, let's go and just talk about life. Let's go and hang out with your, your colleague that doesn't happen. And so burnout, I think is especially more in the startup land at, um, at home during this time. So yeah. a couple of things that, you know, we've been encouraging is that folks take breaks, right? Throughout the day, get up instead of, you know, when we're in an office building, we're walking around, we're walking around saying hi to our, our, you know, our colleagues, we are leaving to go get lunch. We're spending an hour out. I bet most people here are not taking lunch, right? Or eating at the desk, which is what I do. I go, you know, you can see my kitchen back there, but like I go, you know, yeah. 20, 20 steps that way to get lunch. And then I heat it up in the microwave and then I come and sit back down. A lot of the, the aspects of like making sure that you're disengaging just as much as engaging is really important, but that takes consciousness. I, you know, I, I don't, we don't have a full answer. I think that even at some point we're like, well, let's do more zoom happy hours. And those got really old fast. And I was yeah. like, please don't make me, please don't make me do another Zoom happy hour where there's only two voices that speak. <laughs> well, when it wasn't bad when there were five people, when you got to, you know, 30 to 40 people, it was, you know, it was bad. We, um, at our holiday office party, we, we played a game and it, it was a virtual holiday party for the holidays last year. We uh, played a superlatives game. So it was more about, you know, getting to know our employees and kind of poking fun and having a good time about who's got the best Zoom background or, um, you know, who's got, who's the likely person to have the best cat tail in their video. And we had a lot of folks that, you know, had cats on my team and it was just, it was kind of cute and we bonded that way. And then we saw the groups kind of go off, like there became, after the games, we, you know, we gave some, there's this great platform that we used um, that instead of, for, for a holiday gift, instead of doing something like, here, we're going to send you a cocktail mix, which I love those, by the way, um, a cocktail mix or cocktail thing to your home, we ended up giving everyone company swag and giving them credit to the company swag. And now all across, like when we're on Zoom calls, everybody is decked out in cohesion logos and it's really cool to see. That so, is awesome. Yeah, it was, oh, it was really so cool. So I think it's just, I don't know. I think it's about 
opening up. It's about when you see it. I had somebody on my team that burned, you know, that I could tell it was, it was hard. It was getting harder to hear, you know, we got to change direction. We got to go this way instead of this way. Doing it again in person is, is much easier. And so, you know, we told that person to take the, take the weekend, right? Take a long weekend, take a breather. Don't pick up your laptop. Don't do anything. And I found myself saying that more and more is like, just, just take the time. Get, don't, don't do anything. One day is not going to do anything. A weekend off is not going to do anything. Just take the time and get your, get your mind right. It's, this is hard and it's exasperated because it's not just work. I think everyone, I think we have a tendency to blame work because this is where we're sitting all day long, but I think it's just, everyone's done, you know, everyone's tired. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, that I actually do, cause I, I'm one of those, like when I get in the zone, there's no, like, I, I am one of those people who I'll look up at like, you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon and be like, Oh, I didn't eat lunch today. Like it, I, I just never have, it didn't cross my mind. Like, yeah. And so one of the things that I do is I actually like, when I feel like I'm getting close to burnout or I'm, you know, I know that I have a tough day. Like I actually periodically schedule in and like, sometimes it's just a really, really quick, you know, five minute, like I, I have five minutes in between phone calls, but like in that five minutes, I'm going to very consciously go outside, stretch a couple yep. of times, you know, take a couple of deep breaths to just to kind of, cause you, you yep. have to get away. You have to make time for yourself. You, you have to, you know, have that opportunity to clear your head. Not so, so for many reasons, you know, your, your personal health and wellness is super important, but it's also crucial for the work. Like you do your best work when you are refreshed and inspired and that's when the good ideas come. And, you know, so, so I love that. And I love that you, you pay attention to that because that's not something that every, every founder does. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm great. Like I instead of saying, we'll get to it later, what I end up doing is I end up, I end up doing it if I can, right. If my skill set allows me to do it, like if we had something in marketing, I could do that. If we had something on the engineering side, not my, not my skill set. So we'll, yeah. we learn to adapt, but I actually have on the topic of uh, burnout. I had, I was just reading this really funny article. It's the, and it's not funny. It's actually a very serious topic, but this part is very, it's entertaining. New York times. It talks about how women in in this kind of in this cognitive study have been shown to have higher rates of burnout from zoom than males do and it's there's this line in here that this uh yeah that this gentleman from stanford says that says from an evolutionary standpoint if somebody was very close to you and staring right at you this meant that you were going to mate or get in a fight so what we've, what we've kind of done to ourselves in the Zoom environment is that people are constantly being on high alert, creating stress, which I've never seen it that way. So anyway, I just had to share. That is, no, that, that's really, really interesting. And I, I, I had never really thought about that. Like, yeah. and just so you know, listeners, like I can see through right now. Um, and, and I don't feel adversarial, nor do I feel particularly randy with you, my friend, but like I can see <laughs> that. I'm offended. I, I what that means. That, that's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, some, something to think about, I guess. Uh, I feel like I need to do something with that now. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. Next five, there, there's yeah. your next episode. <laughs> well, so, okay. So, so interesting. Um, so, so another thing that I, I kind of want to touch on with you is like, so a lot of the, a lot of startup founders, you know, particularly those in like their early stages, um, you know, they, 
smaller teams. Like you have to wear so many hats. You have to, you, you almost have to be a Jack or Jill of all trades rather than a specialist. And then as teams grow, you start to see more specialization in roles. You find the people who are smarter than you in, in different areas so that they can perform the work and they can do the things that they're good at, leaving you to do the things that you're good at. And that's one of the benefits of growing a larger team. Right. What are some, what are some of the drawbacks? Like, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced? Um, you know, you you mentioned a little bit, like, you know, some of those technology hurdles that you've had to overcome, like, how do we help large teams in, in particular disparate, like geographically disparate mm -hmm. teams? Cause I actually, so I actually used to work for an IT consulting firm and we had team members all across the, the country and the world really. And it was all, that was always one of my biggest challenges. How do we make the people who are not at HQ feel like a part of the team and feel connected? And it always required more time, money and resources to do so, or to do to the best yeah. of our ability. So, so I'm just interested, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome in dealing with, with your team in this way? I, I think that it's not been an easy road for us on that aspect because we've had a lot of kind of satellite team members um, that were contract. And, and for this example, it's necessary to kind of talk about that. Our team that were full-time here in Chicago just never really had to work with people cross-culturally. And I would say that, you know, it's startups depending on the experience, depending on, you know, where people's backgrounds um, you can have or not have that experience of working with global teams. And one of the things that I was hearing over and over as the complaints kept coming in about working with offshore teams was I was trying to drill into, well, what's the real problem, right? Like I, I hear that this is a time zone issue. If I'm going to solve for the time zone issue, which means that we will, let's have four hours of overlap, right? Our team and their team, we can ask them to work later hours and give them the morning back. And maybe there's things that we could do to adapt. I started to learn, and when I was when I, I did get involved on this, where I was like, why why is there so much complaining? What what is really wrong with this offshore team? And I realized that they had never they never got any level of personal connection. Right? So I asked the team. I finally said, at some point in this, it was not it was a fairly heated conversation. I said, do any of you know the last names of any of these people that you work with on a day to day basis for forty hours a week, at least? Right? Do any of you know who they are as a person? Have you humanized any of your colleagues or are they just numbers? And yeah. when I said that, it was, it, it was like there was silence. It was almost like they were, you know, there was a bit of embarrassment that that was, it, it's just as simple as that. So what we realized was that we had to change how we were allowing for our teams to work, that we had to set standards and norms. So we go through a team norming process. So on the engineering front, you know, 75% of my team is engineering and products. So we've been very heavily focused in on product after this fundraise. Well, you know, we'll add a lot more on the business front, but we've been really focused on building great products. But we realized that as we build kind of a squad or pod or tribe, whatever you want to call, you know, the group of people, the, the engineers that work together, we go through a norming process first. How, how are they going to communicate? What's the best communication modes? Might not be video calls. It might not be chats. It might be Slack or Jira or whatever their tool of choice is. Let's set that up. 
let's also set the cadence of how do you like to be spoken to, right? Or how do you solve conflict? What's the best way? Do you like to do it in a group setting? Like all of these norm setting is really important for when you work for with high, uh, highly effective teams. A lot of teams fail to do that. And that's what I noticed we weren't doing. And all of a sudden it was like, it, it actually got a lot of people uncomfortable to do it. But as we went through that process, it's become a lot more, it's become a lot better because we've allowed for people to see who they are as humans. And I think that's been something that I would say everyone should do when you're working in teams. And actually, I've, an executive coach had taught me that, that I've got to set expectations even with my direct reports to say, here's the norms, right? When I send you... <laughs> When I send you an email on Saturday, that doesn't mean that you have to respond. But what, you know, what I learned is that I have to preface it. If it's top of mind for me on Saturday and I don't need an answer or I don't, I'm just having a constant, you know, conscious stream of thoughts. I will say on that, don't worry about answering me now. You can get to me, but get back to me on Monday. So small things like that we could do as leaders to really stop that burnout aspect, but also make sure that we're getting to know each other and norms. Because in an office, again, when you're seeing somebody face to face, you can talk about it, but it's just, it's harder to figure that out. Oh man. I, I, I love that so much. I actually wrote that. Too. I've written down several like, little <laughs> nuggets of wisdom and it, you know, I, I take notes the whole time that we're talking, but often it's like, okay, what questions do I want to follow up on? But in this case, I'm writing down stuff like, yeah, <laughs> later, um, but you know, a, allowing our teams to see, see each other as humans. Like, I mean, that's really, that is the crux of the issue. That is what you have to do. Like that, that's how you create a strong company culture, you know, leading with empathy, you know, making sure that you're being clear in communication, but that you're seeing that person who works with you side by side, 40 hours a week, seeing them as a human being. Um, I, that's beautiful. It made yep. me tear a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we've come to, to the end of our time together. But I do want to ask you, so I'm going to ask you the human question. Here it comes. And it's going to be related. Like you actually really um, touched me when you were talking about your mom, because I love women, <laughs> badass women. And I love badass moms, um, you know, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a different tack with you. And I'm going to say, okay, like your mom is clearly an inspiration. What other women inspire you? That is, so I, it's been a lot about who I've seen throughout my career. So one, one person that really comes to my mind, well, obviously Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? She's just an obvious one. She's phenomenal and amazing and will dearly miss her. But in my, in my life, I had a boss who she's now become a great friend she was a badass woman. Um, her name is Stacy. Worked for her at GE, and she gave me the wings to fly when I was there. I was, you know, she was the CFO, and I was a finance manager at the time. And she never stood in my way. She only supported me and gave me the runway to make me who I was. But she always, you know, what I also appreciated about her was that she had a life, and she shared her life with us in a very not like, "Hey, I'm going to go over the top with you," but in a very appreciative way, telling us and showing us that she was human, showing us that we could be and take and take everything that we learned and apply it. She invited us into the room and had me at the table. Like I got a seat at the table so early on in my career because of her that 
you know, it, it just changed my whole trajectory because of this woman. And now her and her husband are, are my good friends and her husband's at a startup now too. And he calls me and he's like, Hey, I need advice on this. What do I do here? And we just, you know, I think it's really the inspiration of just being of the support that she gave and the love that, you know, I felt from her as just as not just a boss, but as a person. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is awesome. Rue, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Like, I mean, that was, it was just a lovely conversation. I, I mean, it would be. Yeah. I can't believe we just talked for 40 minutes. This has been great. Yay. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that. And, and, and then, you know, you know what else is great though? Uh, Gusto is great. And so one more time, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Gusto. Um, the thing about Gusto is they're really great. If you run a startup, you have to try their payroll. They deposit paychecks, file payroll taxes automatically, which I don't know about you, but that like that aspect of running a business is it like breaks my brain every month. Uh, but you can file your payroll taxes automatically. You can get your employees, health insurance, onboarding, expert human resource support, and more. You'll get three months free when you go to gusto.com backslash startup hustle. That's gusto.com backslash startup hustle. Also want to remind you, if you are listening to Startup Hustle because you are thinking about starting your own new tech company, be sure to find Startup Hustle's weekly How to Start a Tech Company episode series of episodes featuring the Mats. I call them Matt Squared. They do some really great episodes, but this 52-part series takes you from start to finish on the startup journey, and it's the Mats. We love the Mats. It's a fun time with Mats. So definitely keep an eye out for those episodes. Listeners, it has been an absolute joy and a pleasure uh, getting to have this conversation. So thanks for allowing me the space and grace to do that. And we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.